Welcome to part two of episode 24 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. This episode is the second part of Julio Miranda's footballing journey where we delve through his 1990s, 2000s and 2010s as a footballer and as a coach. Again, it was a pleasure to spend time with him and hear his thoughts on different parts of his career, which is still ongoing. Please enjoy part two of this episode. And and what about um, you know that that time uh, under Jerry and, and and Dick did was there semi-finals involved? Or? Um, not under Jerry. Yep. Uh, under Dick Evans, I think we might have made the semis. But obviously didn't get very far. I mean, back then the likes of you know, Wollongong Olympic and Grinchillo were very strong teams. So I don't remember. I think not under Jerry, but uh, Dick Evans might have made the semis, but uh, didn't get very far. And then in '94, uh, which was uh, an intriguing year, um, more so from the, I guess the 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 column column inches that you had in the Mercury at that mm. time. Um, you you were playing under John through. Um, at Bulleye so um, how did you find John as a coach? Yeah John John was good like I wouldn't say that I'd you know I'd, um, at the time I didn't you know I was kind of I wasn't on the outer but I, I was I knew that I was gonna have to work a lot harder and um, to fit into his plans uh, mind you I probably didn't help myself at the time and I'd uh, you know I was just started dating Leanne Leanne's from a Mum's Italian. She's got an Italian background, so um, I didn't want to admit it at the time. But I, you know, with you know a lot of people with Italian backgrounds, you know, if you go to their house, you they offer you food, you can't knock it back. And you know, at the time, I was probably having two dinners a few times a week. Well, and Tony Bezeski said the same thing when I oh, talked okay. to him. You know, yeah. So I was, you know, like I, I didn't want to admit it at the time, but you know, you look reflect on it, and yeah, I was probably wasn't the fittest. Yep. Uh, put a few few extra kilos on and I found it hard to go to pre-season and that's probably where uh, John didn't see that was going to be part of some of his thoughts were formed yeah and then obviously uh, that didn't help but um, I remember having a couple of injuries too which set me back and because you were so I guess you know I was part of the first grade squad there and then all of a sudden I'm on the outer you you kind of get you know from my you know that was my my bad, you know, bad from my behalf, throwing the towel in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because um, I should have, I should have taken a little bit more responsibility looking after myself, which that was a big wake up call for me. Well, uh, I guess um, at a, at some different levels, knowing you as a as a player and as a coach, um, and knowing you personally uh, later on at Bowgowney, um, you know, I, I was intrigued when I I look back at some of those newspaper articles, which you know. Um, Phil Murphy had written about you know um, you then um, not wanting to play at the club you wanted to move um, and then publicly in the newspaper you said it you know well, I've got no problem with Bull I just want to move and then I think it was Michael Grew was quoted in there saying well we don't want him to leave but you know if he wants to go so be it so um, you know how did you find that sort of uh, uh, sort of interest when when probably you were just thinking in a football sense I want to move on and, yeah. and play somewhere else. Yeah, like I said, like I, I was disappointed because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, starting every week. 
But I remember that year that I left, um, I somehow got selected in a similar state of origin type of scenario with South versus North to select the Illawarra team. Illawarra versus Newcastle, um, yeah. So I was elected on that and I had a fairly good game and I got selected to play for the Illawarra team. And at the time I was still playing, well, coming off the bench or playing reserve for Bulleye. So in that sense I was doing okay, but club level I was, wasn't doing much. Yeah. So then I got selected for the Illawarra team. Um, I was still wasn't playing or starting with Bulleye. Um, I remember playing against Newcastle, I think. Came on a half-time, just after half-time, and it's probably one of the better games I've ever had. I scored two goals and did some good things. Um, and I think I might have got the man of the match for that, that game too, but but going back to club level, I still wasn't able to start the game. So that that kind of... I don't know, not disappointing me, but I frustrated the hell out of me. But you know, as I said, Froy had his ways that you know, and he, and he had his reasons why to do it. And, and now I understand because as a coach, yeah, you got different opinions, and football's a game of opinions, as we all know. So he had his own uh, ways to 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 obviously to get the best out of his team. And unfortunately for me at the time, I wasn't part of that just yet. So, but doing well with the Illawarra team and the ref side, that kind of I was just a bit. Frustrated, and so then you then ultimately moved to Wollongong Olympic, but you had some interest there from Lysarts and and Coniston. So um, how did you find it being sort of that uh, uh, soccer celebrity in the newspaper? And and I think at the time, um, once you did transfer to um, Wollongong Olympic, they uh, the transfer fee was two thousand dollars, and they called you the two thousand dollar man. Yeah, so I, um, how, how did you find that? Yeah, mate, like I. Yeah, there was interest. I remember talking to Lysarts at the time. Dick Evans was the coach. Uh, Coniston did make an approach as well. And then, uh, yeah, Wollong Olympic, um, they, they, they made some inquiries. I remember talking to them. And, um, yeah, like I knew, I knew, like, to be totally honest, I, I didn't think I wanted to leave Bulleye, but being a young bloke and there's other clubs wanted to sign you and, you know, Bulleye at the time was... It still hasn't changed. We're very good socially, a good family club. And, you know, we were getting paid, but we didn't get paid a lot of money. Yep. Then you get the likes of Lightsarts and, and Olympic, you know, throwing a bit of money at you, and that becomes a bit attractive. But then uh, I remember clearly Michael Grew was the president, and you know, I had a chat to him, and I was, he goes, look, we don't want to let you go, but got this club ringing up. I said, look, if I want to get you, he said, we're going to put a transfer fee on you. Little did I know they were going to put $2,000 on me. I thought, well, who's going to pay that sort of money? And uh, I still, to this day, don't know why Bullen Olympic went and paid that kind of money. <laughs> like, I was... Well, back then, it, it was, a, it was a, a fair sum of money, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. In the um, local league. So, you know, like that, that happened, and I went, I went there. Peter Willis was the coach. Uh, I had a chat to Willie, and you know, that was a hard probably half of the season for me. transition. Yeah. And what? how did, um, you know, obviously by signing you, Peter Willis obviously wanted you in the squad and, and like you said, them, themselves and, and Wollongong or um, Cringilla were the top teams around that time. So obviously that was an attraction. But how did the teammates, they were fine when you came into the squad? Mate, that, that, that group of players, probably the best guys I've ever played with and... I'm still a very good mate with them. Because um, it took you a couple of games to, to then get in the team as yeah, well. Yeah, like I was still, I was still on the know. bench, um, playing off the bench, and then I played a few games, started a few games, sorry. and um, But, you know, the 
the guys that we had back then, you know, we had Mickey Atzas in goals, just a clown. Um, Conspira at the back with um, Dino D'Amico. Yep. Um, Paul McGarry as a left back. Um, yeah, the Weeks brothers, always a good laugh with them. Many Mavridis up front. Pete, Peter Colomanides, uh, probably one of the best defenders I've played with. Um, so we there was a, and George Anton who was the other one too is probably one of the best left left footers in the in, in the in the area. So you're going from one uh, team that wears blue to another one that wears blue. Where were Olympic playing in those years? They were at Brendan Park number two. Yep. Um, but back then, obviously, that we had Brendan Park and we were lucky enough to play a lot of the uh, match of the round games that Brendan played Park on the main made. ground. Yeah, and that was that was always good. Um, obviously, a lot of people have spoken about the whatever happened to Brendan yeah. Park but it's happened and so um, that uh, 94 year um, I think uh, Olympic ended up winning the league um, and um, I think this year they've uh, in the last couple of weeks have won the league again which they were so hungry to win uh, what did it mean to the club and being around the club you'd seen what it had meant to Wollongong Macedonia what did it mean to Wollongong Olympic and, and then we can talk about the grand final as yeah. well Oh, like at the time, uh, as I said, there was a big rivalry between uh, Wollong Olympic and Grinchilla. Uh, and I remember that year, um, it came to the last game of the season. And that same year, probably around the same time, Shorty Williams was at Lysarts. He was transferred, I mean, he, he left Lysarts to come and join Wollong Olympic around the time, same time I did. Um, we were playing Grinchilla. In the final game of the season and a win wouldn't ensure as the minor premiership um, and I remember Shorty Williams probably in the last two or three minutes of the game uh, scoring and, and obviously winning the game for us but uh, yeah for, for what he did to those you know supporters and people that ran the club was just yeah like and there was yeah, there's good, really good people that that we had at the club there running it um, that you know are still involved these days and I can see what this year might have done for him as well. Yeah, and and then um, you know winning the league, which, you know um, in Australia we call it the minor premiership, but I still call it the major. You know, winners win the league, losers sometimes win grand finals is my motto. But um, what about the grand final? Because it was another, you know, the two best teams again facing each other. So um, what about that day? Look at that. Cause yeah. it, was it at Brandon Park? Was it Brandon Park? Yep. Yeah. Um, I actually um, I was on the bench that game, but um, but I said we had a very good side at the time, and but uh, yeah, Quinjilla were very very strong side at the time, and they had you know the likes of Steve Krishna, uh, Jason Hicks was in the side, um, I think GL Graham Lovett was in the, yep. playing at the time too. So yeah, I, I can't remember what the score was, but um, yeah, we um, yeah that year the club ended up as bridesmaids again because that had happened for maybe two or three years in a row. And was that some? Uh, no, um, was that the grand final that had a late goal, or, um, or maybe that was? The no, that was the, that was the year before I went. That the was, year before, I think that was at. Um, there was a bit of drama. With, I think Mario Mastroianni might have been referring. That was that the year game. before. Yeah. So it was sort of, uh, I guess, um, you know, maybe not um, deflating, but still, you'd won the league, so it was something to hang your hat on. And, yeah. And so you then went into the next year and. And had another year with Peter Willis, so yeah, um, yeah. you know what a and Peter's still successfully coaching now, so um, that's no uh, accident. 
So what makes him uh, a good coach? Ah, uh, Pete's um, he's one of a kind too, mate. Very well organised. He gets his his teams, you know, to play a certain way and defensively very very solid. Um, you know, Pete Pete was different, but he I had a really good time under Pete. I still you know I still talk to Peter these days and. Um, yeah, you know, I, I have a really good relationship with him, and yeah, probably amongst one of the better coaches I've had. And um, you had uh, some time under him, and then you you still spent another um, two seasons there at Olympic in '96 and '97. You know, and then under John Fleming. Yes. So, you know, when you look back at your uh, your resume and and the and the coaches that you had, it's pretty much, you know, you talk about John John Frew, and then you talk about. Fleming, Willis, you know, um, Dick Evans, Jerry Walker, and then, you know, Casey De Bruyne. You've pretty much, um, you know, obviously you maybe or, you, I don't know, wanted to coach, but if you ever wanted to coach, you're learning some bits and pieces from the best, aren't you? Oh, mate, I'd, I've always said that I've been very lucky to. I've been coached by the people that you just mentioned. Um, and John's another one. Um, John was, um, you know, like Peter Willis, organised, you know, very... Um, Articulate on his set pieces, the way you want to play, um, but he was very, very good motivator. Um, I just, I do remember I playing a match of the round in Brendan Park, and I just, I think we might have been playing lights arts in a fairly sort of important, not they were all important, yeah. but crunch game. And um, I just remember John just giving the whole team a rev up. I, I, I I'm not embarrassed to say it but I was almost in tears going out to the game because he was just he got into you and um one you go out there and battle and uh, that that was John you know, he was a very very good motivator and so when you um look back at um those coaches that you go and I guess it's potentially uh um like uh maybe children you don't want to sort of say one that you love the most but who did you um where do you think you got your best football, or who did you enjoy the most out of those those guys? Even oh, though you probably enjoyed playing under all of them, but who did? Where did you think you got got the best out of you? I think Casey was obviously one on the top of the tree, but then you know, as I say, with Peter, um, it was a hard start for me with Peter Willis at the time, and but I'd like to think that I won him over uh, just simply because I've always had a fairly good work ethic. You know, I always work hard, and I think I did the same with John Fleming. Yep. Um, and that's they're you know they're probably you know the the ones that I probably enjoy enjoy the most out of my football education. And what about um, then in '98 you you go back to Boy yep. and uh, under Bruce Tilt. So so how did that come about? Because you had then quite a few few years, um, four seasons with Olympic. Um, how did that come about? And how were you received from? You know, Bulleye's, like you said, a very, very well-run club, mm. very uh, very much a family club, but they've had people there that have been there a long time. Yeah. And I think a lot of their success is down to their hard work. So how did the committee and, and the club itself uh, take you back on board? Oh, look, it wasn't hard. I mean, at the time, as I said, I was I was living in the area anyway, so it was um, easy to get to training. Not that going to train with all Olympic was far enough, but... Um, the reason I left Wool Olympic is because uh, we had a John Frew came and coached Olympic. Yep. Um, look, I know I had a decent year apart from probably the last five games where I was dropped and we made that grand final once again. We lost to Gringilla. Or might have, I, I can't remember who it was, but um, I didn't end up playing first grade. So 
you know, as I said, um, John had his reasons, and I totally respect that because I'm a coach now, and I, yeah. you know, we all have different opinions. So, I um I didn't stay there, and I the opportunity came back came, came to you know go back to Bulleye under Bruce, and I didn't know Bruce. Bruce didn't know me. I just went train, and um yeah, I think Bruce liked what I what he saw once again, and um yeah, like I had no qualms with the club. I mean, there was I never. So there wasn't a cheeky. Uh... Nah, nah, nah. As I said, there's. There's some good people that pull out there. So, and and what about um what about Bruce? Because he's you know uh, coaching Fernhill at the moment. Uh, uh, another you know um, coach that's been around along. You know what's Bruce about? And and what about what were some of the players around Bulleye? Were there still some of the players that you played with before around, and some of the other blokes that you played with there? Yeah, there was a couple. Um, but the ones that obviously stick to mind was because um, he brought. Bruce used to, or he still does, I think, um, he's involved with a lot of the state teams and he knew a lot of the younger players that were coming through. And one of those players was Dean Heffernan. Yep. Uh, he was one of three or four that he brought down from the Shire. And, um, no, Bruce was, Bruce was good. Like, it was, technically it was, you know, he, he looked after those details. Um, you know, I don't I don't think we made the semis actually that year, but, um, no, I, enjoy, I mean, as I said, from... You, you you enjoy I enjoy my time at any, any of the coaches and you learn something from all of them but um, yeah Bruce had that, had his different ways and obviously he's he knows his staff because he's still coaching he's still in coaching on a decent level I know he spent a couple of years at um, at the Wolves doing the junior teams and um, you know I know he's highly regarded too so you you sort of coming to your late twenties um, there and then you went back to Olympic in ninety nine but in, inside your own head were you then thinking because you had these pretty much, you know, um, from what I've been told, interviewing people and then talking to people and, and talking to some of them, you know, they seem like uh, very good coaches. Do you think some of that was put in your mind that, yeah, I, I want to coach or was that sort of formulating in your head? Uh, look, yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, look, I probably didn't tell you about this, but, I, you know, I did coach some... I was probably early my early twenties, and I was I did coach a couple of under fifteen or sixteen teams, yeah. and one of them was one of my younger brother's team at the time, and I enjoyed doing it. And I just you know I guess I enjoyed you know trying to teach um, you know players some of the stuff that I know, and um, so it was sort of in that early twenties you'd had a taste of some junior soccer yeah, there in coaching, yeah. and then thought as you continued to play that it was coming a plan in your head that you'd do something after you finished playing? It was, yeah, it wasn't until, you know, I've probably fast-tracking a bit here, it wasn't until I went to Balgowney um, and we were coached by Harry Sutton. Uh, I remember Harry asking me a lot of, I guess not advice, but asking about my opinion on things about football. And I remember him saying clearly to me once that, um, you know, you, you'll make a good coach one day because you, you've got to be a good knowledge of the game. So that, that sort of stuck in my mind um, a fair bit. But, um, yeah, it was probably not until, yeah, Hage said that to me that I thought, oh, this could be something to do. And so you went back to Olympic under Peter Willis for, for three seasons. So how did you find that? Uh, it was easy. Like, I remember Pete, um, yeah, I think I went and trained pre-season with him and just I thought, oh, you know, I'll see what it's like and see what, what Willie things and yeah Pete just said look well if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about playing I'll come and yeah I'd love to have you in the team so that was easy and I said I knew what Willie was about and um, you know we had that, that mutual relationship I guess the, the respect I guess that 
he knew that you know I was a fairly sort of hard worker and both at training and games and I was always one that you know I would, I would make sure that I try to do the whatever task I was given. And yeah. does um, Peter um, have any sort of uh, rules that he adheres to? You know, some coaches, you know, an AFL coach for Hawthorne at the moment, um, you know, doesn't let his players. Um, I think they played in Canberra and it snowed on the weekend and he doesn't let them wear long sleeves. Was there any of these coaches or Peter that had particular rules of training or on game day that, that you'd have to adhere to apart from the tactical stuff? Um, no, no, I, not particularly. No, I don't remember any of them. I mean, Pete was just he was fairly strict on things like, you know, a certain time in the dressing room. And so did the other coaches I had too. Sort but the um, banter and talk had to. Yeah, but the focus uh, had to come in. Yeah, but I just remember Pete being very, very big on his set pieces. Like I, um, you know, there'd be times on a, you know, Tuesday, Thursday night, we'll you know we'll have a small sided game, AV eight, or just you know three teams, two in the middle, and the other bouncing. Yeah. We did that. For, you know, we'd do that for fifteen, twenty minutes, and then for the whole rest of the hour training, we're going through set pieces. And if you weren't involved in set pieces. On a cold winter's <laughs> night, it would be. It wasn't that pleasant, uh, and I was lucky enough to have been involved in some of them. So. But uh, yeah, it was very, very big on set pieces, and um, yeah, and just getting yourself ready for games. He, he had he had his um his certain ways. And then you you had some uh, competitive years there in ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. Uh, anything sort of spring to mind about those years in terms of no, just playing? I said we're just playing with that that. That group of players and obviously Willie because as I said I made some really good friends out of that group uh, and still really good friends with him and um, up up until his daily end like and I know I have some good times about Gianni yep. but uh, up until his daily end so always said that, you know that that bunch of players was probably the um, the pick of the crop at the time because it was just decent people and and what about um, you know um, Peter himself because you you'd had some You'd seen him in a couple of different incarnations, or you had him early on. You know, since that first time, I think you, it was '94, where um, you went to, or '95, where you played under him first. In those sort of six or seven years, from a coaching perspective, had he changed slightly? Even though he had that sort of yeah. still core, mm. had he changed a little slightly, bit? I thought he had um, sort of so, not softened his ways, but he was a little bit more relaxed about the way he did yeah. things, um, which I think. If you're starting coaching, I think you're always very hard initially until you kind of start to understand that coaching is not about just coaching. It's always been also being a psychologist with each of the players that you have and you've got to understand each personality, you know, and and I think that might have been the case. And, yeah, I just found him to be a little bit more relaxed than what he was the first time around. And then um, you made the, the move to Tarawana in 2002. Um, yeah. Was that again... Um like I said, when you look through your CV, you've had a sort of cavalcade of different mm. clubs, and you know you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pick. You know, some people just play for certain clubs or one club or two, um, but you you've always tested the waters elsewhere. So, yeah. um, what brought about the change to Tarawana? Um, look, I'm, I'm sort of became really good friends with Claude Cellini because we used yep. to live right next door to each other, and he was playing at Tarawana at the time. And he just said, oh, "I want you to come and you know, Phil Carr was coach at the time. Yep. I want you just." go and have a kick and see how you go in pre-season, um, which I did. You know, they I signed there, but uh, I just got some injuries and I had some really bad Achilles tendonitis, which I couldn't get rid of. And 
anybody that's had that condition before will tell you how debilitating you know, it's quite quite hard to yep. get rid of it and um yeah so it wasn't wasn't i didn't enjoy it too much and yeah i just don't remember whether i left halfway through a year or just sat out the year and, yep. and play and then the yeah, you know, the Balgany was the next stop. And and what about um, Phil? Uh, had been told, and and maybe you can tell me if it's true or not. You know, he's, you know, his uh, records stands stands the test of time. And um, his grandson plays at Balgany now, and I've asked him mm-hmm. numerous times. He's very good with uh, uh, regaling people with stories of the game and whatnot, but won't take my uh, interview uh, request seriously. But yeah. is it true that he? Um, wouldn't allow people to wear tracksuit pants to training. I don't recall that. Okay, because I had heard yeah. that a couple of times, yeah. so I just thought that was a, you know, a, a weird one. Could, could be right. I don't know. But you were just a shorts and t-shirt yeah, man, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, I do remember, you know, wearing the tracksuit pants with the socks over the top of the tracksuit <laughs> pants up to your knees. But yeah, I think was, I think we've all done that. Yeah, I was back. At, <laughs> I remember doing that back at the Olympic uh, Olympic days, in especially in winter. Luckily, our partners didn't see us uh, dress for training. No. They might not have been thing. as interested in us. So you, you came to Balgownie under Harry Satin and then 2003-2004. Um, and um, I think at that point we were in, in Premier, Premier League then. And so, um, you know, how did you find Harry and, and, and the other blokes? Because I think um, Ice was there at the time. Yep. And then we had a couple other blokes like um, Adam Hughes maybe would have played there and a few other Mark Borg as well. So how did you how did you find that and Harry? Oh, Harry was good. Um, it was you know you I think you've been coached by Harry before too. Yeah. You know, he was big on fitness and um, very relaxed character. Um, in that year that you, you talk about, we had a really good side. I think Justin Passfield was in goals there, which yeah. is only about you would have been about eighteen, nineteen at the time. Um, we had Desi Gialdi. That's right as well. We just come back from My Italy. apologies, Des, for yeah. <laughs> not mentioning yeah, um, that. I just remember him, you know, being so fast. Like, you're watching him at training, and it's like it was just lightning quick. Uh, Adam Hughes came to the club. Um, Ice was at the back. So we, we had a really, really good team. Um, I don't think we made the semis, but we might have just missed Yeah, I out. think it was just on the fringe. Yeah. So um, did you find it, um, I guess, hard? Because with, with Harry, you would have played against him in the 90s. And then to have him as coach, it would have been sort of a weird feeling in a sense, or no, nah, not really. To be honest, like because he was a, he would have played, you would have played against him in the. I don't remember playing against him. Okay. Um, but I knew of him. Yep. But uh, like I found Harry to be, you know, as I said, he was pretty cruisy, and as I said, I'd the simple fact that, like I mentioned before, that he would ask my opinion about things. Yep. Um, I kind of you know like I'd, I. I think the respect that he gave me was obviously that's become mutual and and you know you kind of he's probably the one that kind of got into my head about maybe I should do this this sort of stuff because I remember it might have been that year or the year after where he was thinking about calling it quits and he called me and he said to me he goes um I, I want to I, I think I've had, I've had enough and I'm going to tell the committee that I want you to take over um and I remember that conversation I had with him and in that, I think I've got to thank him for, I guess, persuading me to maybe take up coaching. I mean, I'd, I've done a fair bit of coaching. I'm not saying I'm any, any good, but, yeah. um, you know, he's the one that kind of probably pushed me over the cliff to say, okay, I'll, maybe I should do this. 
And and what about um, because uh, a lot of things happened at club level um, at Balgowney, um, which I was involved in, and so we had some other other troubles that probably um, you know uh, financial ones that meant that you know we weren't really focused on on what we should as a committee. Not the you know, I'm not a great committee person <laughs> in terms of what I do, um, but so you then went to Rilla, um and so how did you, you were under Daryl Glover there, um, but you said uh, injuries were sort of coming and getting you in 2002, even though you had two good years at Bally. Um, how did you remember Rorilla? Yeah, it was, look, I had some good people there, but I still, up to this day, I don't know what I was thinking. Yep. Um, because, you know, I, I was still living in Bulleye and going down to Rorilla. And, you know, back then, you very rare that you'd travel more than 15 minutes to go and yep. play for someone. But uh, I remember doing pre-season for, with Balgiani and I think, um, uh, what's his name, Stavilio? Stavilio was at the club. Yep. Um, and remember having, I was doing pre-season with Balgiani and we had a trial against Rula and that's where Daryl Glover said, said oh, if you haven't signed, I'll be interested to have a talk to you. And that's when it happened. I just thought, you know, coach wants me to play for them and that's obviously, I remember Vince never kind of showed much of an interest at the time and made the call you know whether it was the right or wrong one I, you know it was probably the right one we we lost 26 games in yeah a row. yeah but um look <laughs> and we're 60 grand in debt but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah that year was interesting like i said i started and i've had some good games in first grade but probably the last eight games um daryl got um yeah they they the club let him go and um, the new coach came in. I think it was Richard Vidal came in, and look, yeah. I'd, I'd, I up until up to, up to this day, I appreciate his honesty because he just said to me, "Goes, he said to me that, you know, I'm looking at younger players. You're on the wrong side of, I guess, thirty. Um, so this is the way it's going to be, and I appreciated that. And I ended up playing probably the last six or seven games in reserve grade, which you know, disappointing, but you know, I, I, something that I had to do. And and then you, um, uh, what about uh, Daryl as a coach? You know, um, he'd coached a, a lot in time and, and played himself. So how did you find Daryl? No, Daryl was good. I mean, he knew his staff as well. Um, I just don't, I don't know, like, uh, you know, we're all different. Um, and, you know, at the club, I guess, you know, it was just, there was a couple of big personalities there that um, probably influenced the wrong people at the club, but... That's just you know that was just my opinion, uh, but as I said that year I you know although it was disappointing I you know made some good friends in Neil Harlock was at the time it was always yeah. a good laugh with him and there was the other one was Daniel Hawke which I spent a lot of time with we were both I think travelling from North and playing reserve grade so he was a carpooling together yeah. and then you did link back up with Neil at a later point in time yeah I did um, you then came back to to Bali. Um, as player coach in 2006 and um you know from my perspective and people who don't know uh, i was on the committee there and 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 uh playing uh pretty mediocre football in reserve grade <laughs> um but but what i will say is um you know um we had a lot of troubles and we needed someone and you know you put up your hand and, and play a coach so um h- how did you um find that experience because you've done all three you, you've played you've played coached and you've coached so how did you find that? Like I was, I was up for a challenge. Like it was something, and when he came up, I thought, yeah, now I just, I really want to do this. 
and obviously I, I knew you guys and I knew the way the club operated and it was just a good fit. Um, there were some good guys there. You know, we still had the likes of Danny Villestra playing there. Um, Glenn Smead, I think, it was coming back to the club as well. And, you know, obviously we get some, you know, new players came to the club. Um, I should mention him. Jerry Winner was one of them. And Matthew Clark. And Matthew Clark came out, Matthew you know. Clark. So it was along with the likes of you know Aaron Davis and Josh Fawkes yeah. and, and those guys that were already in that. Yeah, as I said, it was just a good there. bunch of guys. You know, like I mentioned, Leanne saying the other like the fact that the guys at Olympic, you know, were very special. But the guys at Bagiani, they're not far behind. I can tell you that <laughs> much because it was just a really good bunch of guys, as you know. And but how did you find that sort of playing coach? Because um, you definitely did come in. Um, you know, uh, was, this was your first sort of uh, incarnation as a senior yep. coach, so you definitely came in with a lot of passion, you know, compared to what we'd had in, in previous seasons. The sessions were structured, you know, uh, there was a lot more focus on, you know, what you did as a player. Um, so how did you find still doing the coaching part, but you were still contributing on the field as yeah. well? Look, I, I, that, I, I admit that was hard, and but I was very lucky to have had... Um, Gary Masters was helping at the time, and he was very good. Like he he he, he knows his, his stuff. Daly's son was yeah, he was, was playing. playing at the time. Um, so you know, like Gussie would come in and, and help out. You know, we'll talk to Gussie on the phone about different things, team selection. So he was a good good help to have around. But um, I, I only did it for one year because I just knew it was too hard to do it. And and what about um, you know, you were fairly objective as well because you you weren't afraid to drop yourself. No, you know, no. or put yourself on the bench. So you obviously had that sort of uh, focus already about, you know, even assessing yourself mm. as a coach. Yeah, and that that was the hardest thing. I mean, anybody's, uh, you know, done it before. Play a coach. You, um, I mean, from my perspective, I always look at my own, I guess, performance. But that was that 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 was the thing that I found it really hard. You know, you come in at half time, thinking, what have I done, or what do we need to work on? So. Yeah, that's you know it's just it was too hard for me to do it, and that's why I thought I you know got to call, make a call, and do one or the other. And um, you know, like I said, we'd lost twenty six games in a row in the year before, and then you know I think even that um, first game under you, I think we had a local derby with Coromel Rangers, and uh, we won all three grades, and we hadn't won that in you know two or three years' time. So it was a it was a sort of. A <laughs> A mini sort of grand final in the mm. sense that, from a club perspective, uh, brought a lot of sort of energy back to the club, um, you know, with your with your help and and a couple of those other players, sort of senior players sticking around. So um, it was a, I think even we might have been on the fringe of semis that year or made semis. I think it was a tie. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure. I think I'm not, I can't remember whether we did make the semis or not, but I do remember that particular game you're talking about against Coromel because it was. He had a special feeling about it. I remember that, you know, Coromel had spent a bit of money on their players and, yeah, you could sense the rivalry there. And, um, yeah, walking away after the win, obviously first first comp game was, yeah, it was a good feeling. And I think that kind of, you know, stemmed, I guess, the, the rest of the season. You know, it put us in a fairly sort of positive frame of mind. And then in the next year, you um, you had another two years there, and then uh, those sort of two years where we were very, very competitive, and in fact, yeah. in two thousand eight, won the, the league championship on the last day. But um, you then then were coach and coach alone, so so you 
like you said, did you find that that focus and the ability to only coach was good, but on the playing side that had been so much a part of your footballing life, do you reflect on it now, or at the time did you think, oh, I miss it, or... Because you'd always kick mm. the ball around a training, you, yeah. you had that level of fitness and skill that you could still have done it, but... Uh, no, not really, to be honest. Traco, I'd... Um... I never once I took up coaching. I never really missed playing because, like you said, you know, you still I think you might involved. have had a handful of games of reserve grade in the two thousand seven yeah, season but and I, helped I, out. Yeah, but I didn't didn't really miss the game, and I, I mean, I would have been about what thirty seven, thirty eight at the time. So I knew my time was up. Yep. So you know, I knew that you know I'd taken up coaching. That's what I wanted to do, and and I knew that didn't involve me playing. And I yeah, I, and as a coach, mate, you just you don't have enough time to think about, oh, should I be playing or should I not? Yeah. You know, they just, I mean, for me anyway, you, you kind of devote yourself and you're, you're always 24-7 thinking about team selection sessions. And yep. and back then, I, I, I still remember thinking about that, especially when you've got people like Jeremy Winner that you've got to try to please at training. <laughs> yeah, well, they're definitely um, uh, cold sessions there at Valley when it's cold. And the wind coming off the mountain, probably not as bad as, say, uh, Ocean Park or, or Fernhill, but uh, nonetheless, it's always cold in winter. So that, um, we were competitive in 2007, I think the the likes of both those years, I think it was Winuna one year and Fernhill the other, yeah. but we were there and thereabouts, maybe second, third or fourth or something, um, or in 2007. So um, did that sort of... Um, changing the club a bit um, making the club successful again and then you developing as a coach sort of give you some sort of thinking well I can do this and and you could see where you know what your efforts were getting you mm. oh yeah like uh, you kind of you know start to understand where where you're at and I guess you know um, performances were pretty good I thought at the time you know football wise but I've always said you know you put in performances is always going to end up being good results and we did that year you know we, we won I think it was the minor premiership in, yeah, in 2008 yeah. and I think was it was two, yeah it was 2008, 2008. so yeah that, that that was really satisfying you know because you know we you know, we had you know, it was pretty much a bunch of friends that were playing yeah. together you know it was just just guys that wanted to work pretty hard and obviously had jumped on board with me and, and that's what I asked for and um after that, 2008 and 2007 as well, we were, uh, I think we were beaten a couple of times by um, Barney King's Berkeley. <laughs> yep. Um, and, um, you know, that, I guess in Australian football, it's always seen as, um, you know, the grand final. Um, how do you, um, apart from Bali, how did you always, um, you know, you'd spent your childhood in, in Chile. How did you find um, Australian football that had had a sort of semi-final series after the league season? Uh, look, I was probably too young to understand all that when I came out here. So, um, you know, even though I was 13 when I came out, uh, came out here, I'd, I've kind of I've adopted Australian way, yeah. mate. I don't. But what, yeah. what, are, what are your personal feelings on it? Um, because that, that year in, say, 2008, you know, based on the results, home and away, we'd, we were the top team in, yeah, we were. in our side of the league. Yeah. So we'd won our league. So... Um, it's how do you think about that? And then I think we lost in the prelim or the grand yeah. final qualifier. Oh, look, that's yes, yeah, it was nice to win the minor premiership, but 
we're in Australia, mate, and it's always disappointing <laughs> to win grand finals or not make the grand final because nobody remembers his minor premiers. And um, the year after you you went to West and had a couple of years there, yep. um, you know, uh, speaking about Neil before and um, West, um, I thought you then, you know, the games that we played against you, um, especially in 2009, where I think you were working with... Um, Grand with, Hughes. with Husey, um, and then sort of you and him, you sort of went to that next level as a coach in mm. terms of Wes obviously had more facilities and, and infrastructure yep. financially than yep. Bally. Um, not that that was your decision, but um, to go there, just money. But, you know, w- when we played you guys, you'd taken your coaching to another level. Mm. I think even though we won the league, you, you the only team to beat us, but you had ice baths. You had different bits and pieces, so it was pretty again innovative. It, was that Husey or was it you, or was it just working together that that came Look, about? It was a combination of everybody because I know that's the reason I guess you know I went to West. You know, yep. Neil had a vision. Uh, he wanted to do things more professionally, like you're saying, you know, ice baths and other bits and pieces. And then Grant would come in, and he, you know, he he would drive that. And I think that a lot of the players appreciated that. Yep. Um, and that was, that was the main attraction. I mean, we go to West, you know, we didn't have to do much. I mean, they, yeah. they had every, you know people doing little jobs and turn the lights on and off at the ground for training. Um, that training kids. Um, so it was that was that was attractive part of it. Um, we did have a good year the first year. I think we came second or third. Yep. Um, but the following year wasn't as great. Um, but yeah, that's just part of football, I guess. You know, we had some some good people there. We had some good players. And so, what about the the committee guys and and some of the players that you played with there? Mm-hmm. Who who can you recall? And oh, look, the committee people. Obviously, Neil Harlock was you know very good at what he did. Um, Billy Martinoski and Bobby Pacetti, you know, very good people too. They you know they gave everything for the club and they did so much for it. Um, but it got to the stage where you know, like I guess. They they thought about you know how much do we do for very little return you know from I guess don't know if I should say an organisation yep. running the league and you know players themselves because yep. the second year was you know we we, we kind of got some players and that would probably came down to me too not not recruiting properly and I thought I was getting you know decent players but were they really willing to like I said before jump on the bus with me or yep just come in for picking up a few extra dollars. dollars and I think that might have been the case and that's the thing that I, I guess came down to me and I was more disappointed with that I yeah, recruitment's very important yeah. and that year I can probably say yeah I didn't do it right uh, but for people that ran the club as I said there was those three guys that just spend so much time at the ground and doing other bits and pieces and no, I'm still very good friends with them and what about um you know you talk about when you're at Bally you you know um yeah people like Gary Masters or Gussie um you know helping out so you're always pretty open to to sort of the feedback and and utilising other people's sort of thoughts you know how did um your relationship with Husey come come about and him helping you out yeah look with um you know surround yourself with good people it's always important and that's the thing that I I try to do all the time with my coaching um. Yeah, with Husey, I, I knew Husey from. I think he came and played for us one year, and then I just, you know, obviously we talked to him a fair bit. Um, 
and then he um he moved down to Canberra to work for Swimming Australia, I think. Um, and he had a background in strength and conditioning and you know, a little bit of sports so science. So a good fit in that sense. Yeah, so, and he, you know, like, he, he, up until this day, I still talk to him about things and, you know, he's a very, very good sounding board. Um, keeps, keeps people sane and keeps people level-headed like myself. <laughs> what about um, the next year? You sort of, I guess, um, some of what you just said about your time at West, especially that second year, I guess we can sort of understand why you then left. But um, 2011 with Cringilla and then your assistant to Alan Payne. Yep. And another guy, another coach um, in the Laura that's, you know, you've had several that are just mm. the big, the best of the best, I guess. Yep. So um, how did that come about? And, um, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on Alan? Uh, Alan's a good guy. Like he's, uh, you know, I was probably you know unfortunate not to have been coached by him but I got to you know meet Alan you know coaching against him yeah. um, and Alan you know Alan's a very level headed guy you know you talk to him and as a rival coach he would always offer advice and the thing that stuck with me was the fact that every time we played against them he would offer his, his I guess his support in the way my team played Yep. He was always very complimentary about the way we did things, and that's how I got talking to him. And you know, and I always loved the way his teams played. And um, so, at, two, at the start of the season in 2011 or the end of 2010, he, he called you up, did he? Or? Yeah, like I remember having a chat to him. I think it might have been a game, um, and we got into the conversation about you know talking about football and talking about coaching. And he just said to me, "Look, whatever time, I just if you want to talk about football, just give me a call." Which I did, and yeah, that was great. And then yeah, he, I think in one of those conversations, I, I might have said, you know, I would, I would love to be able to work with you and obviously learn from what you do. And when he got the job at Cringilla, he, um, yeah, I had a chat to him, and he said, you yeah, know, come and work with me, and which I did. It was good. Um, we had some very good players there, but um, yeah, like a politics in football, mate, you, you can't get them out of the game unfortunately but he um yeah he he left uh with about 10 games to go and he uh he told me he said look you, you take over um you'll do a good job and um if any if you got any questions um yeah just let me know I'm always a phone call away and and what about um at this point in time did you then take that rest of the season yeah i did i did um yeah it was interesting uh i mean obviously the because that was your first taste of coaching with a Premier League team yeah, there. Yeah, that was the first time. And, yeah, there was some personalities there, which was tough at times. And I can understand why Alan, you know, felt, uh, oh, not under pressure, but I felt that, you know, it probably wasn't the environment that he wanted to work in. Um, and I found that year, like, I think it would have, been, would have been about maybe 10 games that I took over. And we had some good wins. We had some disappointing losses. And um, that's the thing that I found really hard was that, you know, when you're winning, it was always good. <laughs> but a loss or two on a trot, then a very different picture. And um, that's why I thought, you know, like a lot of people have... To the extent that, what, people from the committee or, or supporters were giving their opinions on yeah, what you should very, or shouldn't do? Or yeah, pretty very, direct? very opinionated, I guess. And, you know, like... But I said I can't go too much into it. You know, yeah. That, yeah. Um, yeah. 
kind of, you know, there's a couple of instances where I thought, no, I don't need this. Um, A lot of people, contrary to what a lot of people might think, I wasn't sacked by the club. I was offered a job to do the the year after, but uh, it wasn't something that's going to fit with me. So... And, and you had a year off, but um, along these timelines, are, are you coaching at junior yeah, I, level? I've always coached my sons. Yep. Um, and and how have you found that? Because um, <laughs> when I've I've you know I've seen you coach some junior teams, but you know um, you know you are a coach, and so you're always objective. You're always looking at developing people, playing a game a certain way. So how did you sort of? It's hard to transition a mindset into a junior level. Was mm. it hard to sort of let go of some of those coaching features that you have? Oh, it is. I mean, I still see in some of the junior uh, games, I guess, you know, where you see a lot of um, coaches, you know, coaching under 10s or 11s behave themselves like they would with a senior team. And, you know, it's hard, um, especially when I was coaching, obviously, my son and being involved with senior teams is trying to differentiate where you're at and how you're going to treat the kids compared to the adults. Um, So initially it was hard, but then, as I said, once you start looking outside the square, then, um, yeah, you realise that, you know, what what language and how your body language has to be, where it has to be, and that's the line with kids, and you can't overstep that. And that's probably why I don't coach kids. (laughs) (laughs) I've got white line fever. Um, you had a year off in 2012 and, and then you, you had a, um, uh, sort of a year and a half there at, at Fernhill, uh, Fernhill Foxes there in, in the Premier League. Uh, how did you find that? Because, um, I guess, you know, people that, you know, outside the Illawarra that wouldn't know that, you know, um, it's like any other footballing environment. There's some top clubs and then there's sort of half clubs vying for a semi-finals place and then there's the other clubs sort of vying for not being in relegation and if they're lucky maybe be on the fringe of semi so Fernal was probably no disrespect to them they're a very very good club but yeah. that's probably where they were at that point in time so yeah was that what sort of was a challenge for you to sort of take them to the next level yeah it was um obviously you know having the year off and in the meantime I had done some of my coaching education as well um so you're hungry to sort of implement yeah, that. like I thought you know if I'm going to do this I might as well put it to use um, so yeah, I'd um, yeah I got a call from Craig Armour, Spider. Yep. I chat to him, and then first year I had a good, good, decent year. We um I think we came sixth that year, and um just missed out on semis. Because it is a hard division where mm. you've got some sort of uh, very uh, well-run clubs that spend a lot of money. Mm. You know, when and then to come six is a big achievement. Yeah, like we, as I said, with that year we, um, yeah, like it's it's always nice when you get you know compliments and the way you, the, the team's playing. That year in particular was, you know, it's another person that I value highly was uh, Norm Bortman. He was coaching yeah. Dan DeLue at the time, and he was always complimentary about you know the team play, the way the team played, and. Yeah, they're, they're the good things that you kind of you, you do remember, and yeah, but Norm Norm's another person that you know he's always said that he's only a phone call away, and I haven't wasted an opportunity. So yeah, that that year was um, the 2013 year was enjoyable. We had a good year, and 
I had a good bunch of guys too, you know, that, to work with. Um, and the likes of? Oh, I remember Matty Timpano was there at the time. Yep. Um, Tobin Zoomers. Yep. Uh, Scotty Bess, who yep. are very good friends. Scotty Bess is coming over today. <laughs> so, and so he's Matty Timpano. Um, yeah, we, we had them. Um, Danny Krakowski was at the time there. Dean Kerr. And do you think um, yourself, you'd sort of improved on you know you spoke about the the recruit recruiting stuff at Wes and then even some of the dealing with personalities within the playing group and within the club do you think that sort of held you in good stead for then at Fernhill where you sort of had another run at it so to speak yeah like I'd um like I said mate you're like because you don't get to six without you know playing some decent football and and having a good bunch of players no no having the club backing you yeah yeah no like um yeah, so, so you learn from every experience in football that you have and I'm one of those people that, especially with my coaching, that I'd, I'm always hungry to learn more and, you know, whether it's through bad experiences or, yep. you know, coach education and, or, you know, going away on tours and learning from, you know, teams overseas, um, I love doing that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think the most valuable, valuable ones are the ones that you learn through adversity, I guess. And so that second year was a lot tougher. It was tough. Um, so what? What had you know? Had the playing group? Um, I wasn't in, involved in Premier League at yeah. that time, so you could only sort of look at the table and whatnot, which doesn't give you any context. Yeah. So what had changed from 2013, where you're six, to 2014, where partway through the year you're down the bottom end of the table, yeah. and then ultimately, you know, you, you you end up leaving. Yeah. Look, it was um, that particular year. I had. Um, I had to have surgery on my legs. I remember clearly, and then, you know, which you know probably took me away from training for a couple of weeks. And you know, I was, you know, think, you know, think back of it now. I probably did stuff that I should have done going to training on crutches. Yeah. Um, you know, like Liam will always get angry at me because of what I did. <laughs> but you know, it was it wasn't. I, I, we had a decent stuff start, I guess, but. Um, yeah, like we just a lot of things went against us, and you know results didn't go our way. You know, still you know, we were training hard, we were playing some decent football. Um, I still had the backing of all the players. There's a few things that happened with a couple of committee members there that um, were brought up early in the piece, which I thought, why, why are you saying this? Um, which might have had a you know I guess. An effect, an effect on what happened later Decisions on that later year. On. Yeah, so, but uh, you know, it was disappointing because once again, that group of players was they were, they were fairly special. I uh, still were good friends with them. Because knowing you, um, would have probably um, annoyed you to a certain extent that you couldn't have seen the year out. Yeah, look, I didn't have In much of an idea that what was coming. Yep. Uh, simply because you know I still had. 18 players come with the train and enjoying what they did uh, and wanted to play, wanted to play for me. And then there was never a negative word from any any of those. I mean, I remember the day where I got the phone call saying that you're no longer doing the job and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go out this way. So I called called all the players um, and they, um, I asked them to come and meet meet up with me and just to give them, a, you know, I guess say a good send-off and say, yep. say goodbye. Uh, I think all but one, who was from Sydney, turned up. Um, 
so that, that was hard because as I said we weren't getting results but I was still you know if you're getting eight nine players to turn up the training out of the 18 that you sign then you know that something's going on yeah but when you're getting all of them to train and enjoying what we do and still you know turn, turn up to training with a smile on their faces and yeah knowing that you know as I said a lot of things went wrong during yeah. the game and results didn't go away but um that that I was filthy about that but yeah. It happens, mate. It's um. Well, there's only two types of coaches: ones that are employed and ones that are sat. Absolutely, mate. And I, and I think that's probably um, put me in a good stead too, like because you learn from that. And I remember hearing a couple of other coaches, previous coaches, is that you know you don't become a decent coach or a good coach until you get sacked. I mean, it is. It's not nice. No, it doesn't matter what level it's at. Yeah, it's but still um, the same. but you know you learn so much from it, and you think, okay, I probably could have done this differently. Um. So, yeah, like, it's probably, you know, it's, as it's turned out, like, it's probably a good thing for me because I kind of put me on bigger and better things. Yeah, well, it's turned to them and, mm. and then, um, you know, being involved at Wollongong Wolves um, at different levels, mm. like, you can go through it now, but um, how did that come about? And then, you know, you've had some different roles there at different levels yep. of coaching, so what have you done there and, and what do you enjoy about it? Oh, look, I um, obviously uh, I know Jacob Timpano, and you know, at the time I'm, I knew Matt. I, I know Maddie more I mean, at the time. Sorry, back then I knew Maddie more than I did Jacob. Yep. But uh, you know, when I was coaching that last year, you know, would, um, Jacob would come and watch a lot of the games, and once again, he was another one that would be complimentary to the way the style of play that yep. we played. And um, when he got the job at the Wolves, um, first year he um. He worked with Alfredo Estevez, who's another very good yep. coach out there. And, uh, and I think Marvin Desi, might, Desi Gerald, he might have gone there too. So I didn't, for his first year, I think uh, he went there. But the following year, he gave me a call and said, would you be keen to be involved as a as an assistant youth coach to Alfredo? Yep. I thought, yeah, 100%. Because you had the year off in, yeah. in sort of 2015 and just watch your kids play and, yeah, and be yeah. involved in the sport in that way but nothing from a coaching yeah. level so yeah, you jumped no, at the chance jump at the chance to do that you know obviously being involved with some you know good setup and and uh, being involved with people that obviously you know, have a love for the game as well so I went there first year as a um, assistant youth coach to Alfredo yep. uh, and Desi Gialdi was assisting Jacob at the time now, because of Desi's situation with work, he, he couldn't do it anymore. So yep. Jake asked me if I could help him out with first grade. And look, I did that for a year. And as well as, I think that first year, the club um, got the SAP license, yep. skills acquisition program. And I, um, yeah, coach, um, I, I started, all three of us were doing SAP and then coaching the seniors. So for about two or three years, I mean, I had a break after three years, but Alfredo and Jacob have done it yep. consistently over the last probably five. You know, we'd, um, we'd be coaching SAP kids and then... So we're talking kids at different age groups here? Yeah, right? uh, first year, I mean, I had under-12s for about three years in a row. Um, then I had a year off and then I came back this year to coaching under-10s. So do you think in those first couple of years where you're doing the SAP program and then assisting... Alfredo and, 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 and Jacob, do you think you got a best best of both worlds in coaching coaching grassroots younger kids, you know, the fundamentals, what's needed and then 
assisting at a senior level as yeah, well. Yeah, like I'd, um, as I said, like it's doing those sort of things. I mean, you just get so much information and experience, and you know, like you're saying, at different levels. And not only that, but you go and you know, obviously go and watch you, when you're sat. Uh, teams go and play other teams in Sydney. You learn from them, and then you're doing the same thing with the senior teams. You know, you you play some very decent teams in Sydney, and you yeah. learn the style of coaching the other teams have. And um, yeah, so a combination of all those things, mate. It's just so much information that you put in the pot, mate. And then if you need it, then it's all good. And and what about um? Do you think to a certain extent it it, it sort of washed washed away some of that frustration from 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 the Fernhill gig in, in the end of 2014 and sort of partway through that season it sort of reinvigorated you because obviously you had the year off because you you could have coached if you wanted to. Mate, 2014 was forgotten. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could have coached in 2015, maybe you just had time off for that, yeah. but you could have coached anywhere really. Yeah, and... yeah, I look, I'd, um, yeah, 100%. I mean, being involved with that and, um, you know, look, I was one of those, I guess, sceptics that always had reservations about, you know, the wolves and yep. always look from the outside but when you're in there you kind of you know you appreciate what you're working with um player wise and, yep. and the way people operate and run the club um i've got nothing but admiration for those guys at the time they were playing for the wolves you know three nights a week uh sometimes four and then go to sydney on a weekend and just for the time and effort they put in you know compared to i guess locally which is you know bit easier yeah um but i mean i always said they would never get involved at that level but uh, i'm glad i did because um, you did um go overseas and 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 so that must be from a coaching growth level it must be you know awesome to to go over to europe and mm. and see what's happening there and learn and, and just be put in a new environment from a coaching oh, mate, perspective that's, um, I mean, that's probably highlight of my football experience I guess history um 2017 I was lucky enough to have gone to um we went to the UK and Spain uh with a skills acquisition program kids um in Spain we went and spent um well, I think two days in London um didn't get to watch any any games there but we we stayed at Stamford Bridge yep. Hotel right next to the stadium which is a highlight for me anyway yep. And then we, um, yeah, we travelled to Manchester uh, to go and watch uh, Man City and Crystal Palace at the time. Just being, I remember being getting to Eddie Hatch Stadium there and thinking, "Well, what am I doing here?" <laughs> you know. So I watched the game, and then we had three days at um, the Manchester City Academy, um, which is was that a real eye opener as a coach, mate? Um, and I'll, I'll show you some photos later. But um, you must have been just as excited as the kids that you took over, mate. It's just the you know you go to the training complexes. That's where their academies and the first team train and then we had to we, we got to see where where they, they train and unfortunately uh, we didn't get to see the first team we uh got a glance of pep Guardiola <laughs> at the time and but was too far at the time but uh yeah like it's it's amazing it's just um you get to appreciate how far we are in terms of just football development here yep. we got nothing here you know what they have it's, it's, it was like a little village they got I think they had 18 training pitches. Wow. Right? Um, two indoors, three indoors. Um, it was about eight synthetic pitches, and the other one was just grass pitches. And 
well, so we were lucky enough to spend three days there with academy coaches and looking at the facilities. Um, um, unfortunately, we didn't get to, to see on the, the first team, but um, anyway, we spent a week there and we um, that year we was well, so three days in, in Manchester and then we went to Liverpool, which is not far from there. Um, just by chance... Um, did you get to see the Toffees play? Or? Mate, just by chance, I were playing a Europa League game. Um, and I can honestly say that I can die, die a happy man because yeah, we got to see the um, Everton, you know, went to Goodison Park and yeah, didn't get the result we wanted that night, but um, I was fine with it. Yeah, going there and I, we went to, you know, a few stadium tours, we went to Old Trafford, uh, Anfield, which was hard for me because I'm... Just a spice yeah. Liverpool, mate. Uh, cross, t- cross town rival. Yeah. So from then on, we uh, we moved down to Spain, and um, yeah, that was unbelievable. We um, we went to Madrid. We spent three days at uh, Real Madrid Academy and training complex. So you really seen two, two tops of the trees in mm. in England and in Spain. Yeah, and... but uh, look, I'd, then we spent two days with the Atletico Madrid yeah. coaches at their training facilities, and uh, look at the Real Madrid Academy it was. Um, it was great. Uh, I didn't think the coaching was great and they engaged the kids as much. Uh, the highlight of that was the fact that um, just by chance we got to meet Roberto Carlos oh, wow. who was having lunch at the in the lunchroom at the time and happy enough and kind enough to take photos and answer questions from all the, the people that were involved there and I just I was in awe at the time because he was we were just having lunch and I saw this bloke walk in. I didn't recognise him at the, at first. And I just remember turning up to Alfredo and I said, I know that guy. <laughs> and then he, he he looked at me and he just smiled and he goes, that's Roberto Carlos. And I'm thinking, wow. And like, yeah, we took some photos with him, had a chat, answered some questions. And, and we, not uh, that you're yeah. a name dropper, but um, Peter Beardsley, what, Mate, what was your interaction there? Well, and and on, ongoing as well. Yeah, look, I've got friends in Newcastle. Yep. Uh, and after we finished the tour there, we went to, uh, I, I went a couple of days in, in France just, just to go and see a cousin that yep. I hadn't seen for 20 odd years and then I had organised to go to Newcastle and spend um, go and see some uh, friends as well and one of them organised to through a friend of his for me to go and spend a day at the academy yep. at the training complex and um, yeah just walking through there um, looking at the facilities so less structured than the other tours that you yeah done? like it was just uh, I guess someone you know one of my friends knowing one of their friends that works there and and he was just showing me through the facilities uh, going through the offices and the corridors there and first I, I noticed this guy and um, I recognised his face I'm thinking and then I said to the guy that worked at the academy there I said George um, is that Steve Watson um, Steve Watson people might not know who he is but he was a very good centre back for Everton yeah. back in the 80s uh, early 90s and he said yeah he's the uh, under 18s coach so I had a chat to him um, took photos talked to me for a while and then uh, yeah said goodbye kept showing me through the corridors and then this little short guy walking the opposite way and I said to George George don't tell is that Peter Beasley he goes yeah you want to meet him I thought wow yeah I'd people would say no Definitely. so he introduced me took some photos and mate he's Despite what's happened over the last year or two with him, he's the most humble and person I've ever met. Like he, he took me under his arm and he talked to me 
And I, th- I think well, we, we started talking and 45 minutes later, George says to me, should we keep moving on? <laughs> and then um, I was only meant to stay in Newcastle for a couple of days before I went down to London. And um, Peter, Peter just said to me, he goes, oh, how long are you staying in Newcastle for? I said, oh, I'm supposed to be going to London tomorrow afternoon. He goes, okay, well, um, if, you, if you're not doing anything tomorrow morning, because uh, he's the under-23s coach, yeah. uh, we're training at 10 o'clock. Um, more than happy to come in and join the session and have a look. Wow. So I said to him, yeah, no worries. I said, I'll do... Um, As a coach and a fan, <laughs> how could I you said, say no? I said to him, how do I, do I just ring the office in the morning? And he goes, no, no, take my number. So I, I took his number <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, I had, you know, my other friends from Newcastle were there with me too yeah. and they're very normal. Like, say, so how come this guy's talking to you? <laughs> so you know, we finished, you know, looking through and then um, that afternoon I thought, oh, I'll just send him a message and see whether it's okay or yep. he's giving me a valid number. <laughs> so I sent him a message, I'm staying in Newcastle tomorrow, is it okay if I go to train tomorrow and visit you and get a message back saying, yeah, all good, uh, coming at nine o'clock players come in we'll have breakfast um and then we'll go and run the session so i was i was there at nine o'clock the next morning um he introduced me to the players had lunch i had breakfast with him and then i went into a training pitch um yeah watched the session and so what and i went back to his office showed me around the stuff and um yeah, and then he says to me, he goes, oh, so you're still going to London tonight? I said, oh, well, not tonight. I'll probably go tomorrow. He goes, well, I've got another session tomorrow if you want to come in and I'll get you involved. So I'm thinking, well, okay. <laughs> okay just I'm, a chance yeah. meeting. So I just, you know, I went there and then I, yeah, and I said, look, yeah, if that's the case, yeah, I'm, I'm staying. So, yeah, it's the same thing. The next day, had breakfast with the players, um, took me around, more of the facilities, um, he said if I had stayed for me another couple of days, um, I probably would have gone and met Rafa Benitez with, with the other players. But, uh, yeah, and like I said, he's just talked to me about, you know, football, the way he does things. Um, I tried to pick his brain as much as I could. Well, it's uh, uh, obviously fairly genuine to, oh, mate, like to you know, there's one thing having maybe a conversation for 45 minutes. But there's a difference between, um, I guess, you know, taking two days and two training sessions out of and allowing you to go into it so and whether here uh, in uh, Julio and Leanne's uh, study and um, Julio's just gone to the cupboard and, and the PB uh, Newcastle United jackets out so uh, yeah mate that, that morning like he um, I was leaving that afternoon to go to London and um, yeah back in his office just talking about football and um you know, he did say to me, look, if you ever come back uh, for a bit longer, um, come back for a month, spend the time with the, with the team and learn as much as you can. So I thought, well, I mean, I'm in the meantime, I said, I'm, I'm trying to pinch myself here. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, oh, I've got, I've got something for you. And he just, yeah, he gave me his um, training jacket, and which obviously I was just giving you the jacket there to have a look at. And yeah, so that was an absolute highlight. And, and he said to me, he goes, oh, when do you fight back? This I think this was, a, this was on a Thursday or Wednesday. I said I'm flying back Saturday night, and he goes, "Well, when you get to London, give me a call because if you're in London uh, that afternoon, I can get you tickets to go and watch Tottenham. I don't know who was playing at the time, but yeah. um, unfortunately, the game was at three o'clock, so it was probably too too soon for Cut me up. to yeah. So it was 
it was nice. And as it turned out, like I, I got home and uh, a week later, um, just sitting here on a Tuesday night, um, and then my phone rings and, and I asked Leanne to go and get it for me. <laughs> and then she brings him, she brings it to me and I said, who is it? She goes, she goes, who's Peter Beasley? <laughs> so, you know, it was, yeah, so I had a chat to him and like, yeah, I'll get messages from him every now and then. I've had a few chats to him about things and, uh, last time I spoke to him, he's, um, he's planned to come on over to Australia if, if possible and, uh, try to spend a bit of time here and maybe you yeah. can show him around this time and mate, uh, return serve in, in mate, would, so to uh, speak yeah won't, won't be shying away from that uh, well i've taken a plenty of your time now mm. especially sunday afternoon and 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 you're still you know coaching one of your sons and and sap under 10s now but um where do you you see yourself in the next few years from a coaching capacity is there um, you know, some people don't want to announce their dreams or ambitions, but um, whatever they are. But do you do you see? Um, do you want to tell the listener about what you see yourself doing, or in the next few years as a coach? Because obviously, um, there is a deep passion there for it. You know, you've had the coaches of coaches of the LOR in the last twenty years, and and you've become one yourself. So, what do you see yourself doing? Well, I, I'm still going to stay involved with the. The, the SAP program, the Skills Acquisition program, um, just I, I enjoy doing that. Um, yep. Some really good kids, especially in the age group that I've got at the moment, that um, yep. probably um, would would like to be stay involved with. Um, as we speak now, I'm I have looked at getting involved with the with the lower Premier League site next year. Yep. So um, that's that's on the cards, and obviously just try to. So there's still that sort of desire to coach at senior level. Yeah, yeah, yep. there is. My house. I said I'd. Uh, unfortunately, I left on. Uh, still got that fire in the belly because yep. I left you know, obviously Fernie on a bad way, and I. I don't know. Like just a, it's a motivation to to try to get back into it and pe- improve people wrong. Yeah. Um, so and I guess you know people have asked me you know what's the motivation? I think it's probably failure. Yep. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to be put the, through that again because it yep. wasn't a nice feeling. But um, I'd like to think that I've got something to give, uh, to especially to a local club. So, well, uh, as uh, I always do, uh, I really respect and uh, appreciate. Um, you know, not just uh, for this interview, but you know, we've had a, a lot of interactions and. And I think uh, 99% of them have been extremely positive, yep. especially from my perspective. And I thank uh, yourself, Julio, and doing the interview and Leanne for allowing me into your house. So I uh, appreciate your time and, and respect. No, mate, it's been fun. Thanks, Good. John. Appreciate it. Cheers. An enjoyable interview with Julio. I cannot wait to record my next interview. And I hope you, the listener, will continue to join me. Thanks again to the listeners for your support and please keep listening. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 